Welcome to episode 211 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss the NRL Women in League round, a radical new form of rugby league, and much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 211 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. How are you going this week, Tish? Well, Dr. T, life is miserable in lockdown, <laughs> but i got to say the NRL getting a lot more exciting, I feel like. Um, I was quite impressed by some of the games over the weekend. Some of the close score lines, but um, yeah. So um, you know, I've got to say, thumbs up for rugby league, thumbs down for life. How about yourself? Yeah, look, uh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I was disappointed to hear. I think for me, the biggest uh, news item uh, that that really got me down in during lockdown is the fact that Lionel Messi will not be coming to the Parramatta Eels. Uh, oh, no. I, it, there was <laughs> there was there was talk of him. Switching codes uh, mm. in an effort to become the greatest of all time wow. in, in another sport, but unfortunately, uh, he's only going to be one goat. He's not going to be double goat. Yeah. Um, well, well, very uh, maybe Ronaldo, who's playing for the Sharks, uh, maybe <laughs> they could rekindle their uh, rivalry in the NRL. That would be something. That's that's absolutely right. I mean, he is known for being uh, the best penalty taker. Uh, in soccer, so you know they they are they looking for a goal kicker at the Sharks because uh, Ronaldo might have uh, yeah look unfortunately Messi uh, not to be uh, but look yeah lockdown it's uh, pretty tough it's not good looking good in Sydney we've got increasing number of cases so those of you overseas who are looking at Australia and wondering what's happening. Uh, we've still got a major part of uh, of the whole country locked. Mm. Well, it's called lockdown. But really, it's not like it's not like communist China lockdown. Uh, it's not the same kind of level of lockdown. It is it's a Western Western free nation lockdown, which is basically you can still go out of the house to for certain authorized reasons. But the idea is to just limit people from moving around. So there's you know there's fewer cars on the road. There's fewer people out there out and about. Lots more people working from home. That kind of thing, and unfortunately, lots of people out of work at the moment because, mm. uh, yeah, it's it's affecting the economy too. So, let's hope we can get out of this sooner. But at the moment, it's not looking good. The well, I think we've hit our um, in Sydney anyway, or in wow. New South Wales, our all-time highest number of cases. So, what that means is it's um, yeah, it's still got a, a bit of a, a way to go before before we uh, get some of our freedoms back. Unfortunately, so look, that means that we. Um, you know, there's a lot more time for us to uh, stay home and watch uh, rugby league replays, I would say. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> unfortunately, I'm trying to look at the bright side here, everyone. I'm trying mm. to look at the silver lining, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, look, um, well, that's why we love talking about league because it gives us uh, a bit of a bit of comfort in, in, a, in a very uncomfortable time at the moment in the world. So without any further ado, let's launch into our six tackles and let's go to our news update. Here we go. 
All right. So, Tish, first cab off the rank is, uh, well, the, one of the main stories is that this week the NRL in its 15th year is going to celebrate the women in league round. Officially, it's called Harvey Norman Women in League Round. Wow. Those of you who are confused by what that means, why would you have a man's name um, <laughs> in a women in league round? It's Harvey Norman is a... What would you say? It's an electronics. Uh, no, what is it? It's a. Well, it's a general kind of F- store. Yeah, furniture, technology, furniture, electronics. <laughs> it's. It's. It, yeah, I, I don't know how you would describe. What are some comparable ones overseas? I don't know. It's, it's yeah. a bit like a Walmart, but not quite. Um, no, but you can. Yeah. Anyway, so Harvey Norman is the name of the company sponsoring the women of League Ground, women in League Ground. Sorry, this week in the NRL. Um, and this round puts a focus, is meant to put a focus on not just the role of women within rugby league, but also the gender inequality gap in society. And at the current rate of progress, uh, it has been said that it's going to take 136 years to tackle the gender inequality gap. Um, and unfortunately, the gap has only been widened uh, as a result of the COVID pandemic. So obviously, when it comes to uh, employment, uh, yeah. And and you know these disparities are, are kind of uh, amplified when situations like the COVID pandemic and lockdowns and things happen. So unfortunately, it, it set us back a little bit in terms of trying to make sure that that organisations are, are paying women the same rate that, as men, etc. But um, but yeah, what I've loved about the women in league round in the past as well is that there's been a, a genuine focus on you know acknowledging the fact that there are uh, there are lots of women, especially volunteers, who mm. support the players, who support the young players, not necessarily those that are paid a salary, um, who've supported them throughout their whole lives, throughout their whole sporting careers. Um, I think this is a, an opportunity for some of the, the players, uh, the professional players in the NRL. Uh, hopefully they, they, they can sort of uh, participate in the various sort of social media activities and things to sort of genuinely give back to the community and and to show and to show people that you know they genuinely uh, are thankful for the women in in their lives that are helping have helped them to get to where they are um, and not only that it's also an opportunity for us to remember that um, you know we actually have a women's game I mean there are you know years ago um you wouldn't have even considered that there were women playing rugby league and now it's just exploded uh in terms of we've got a professional tier we've got uh pathways um we've got other sports in australia as well that are doing that and in many ways it's tougher to get um to have gotten that off the ground compared to say getting women's soccer off the ground because of the physical nature of the game, but we've overcome those challenges. So there's a lot to be kind of celebrating uh, this week. But, yeah, Tish, um, I'm sorry for monopolising that discussion. Is there any um, – what what does women in league round mean to you and what are you looking forward to this year in terms of the messaging from the NRL? Yeah, look, um, yeah, well, I know, I know that they've got a big focus on um, – domestic violence, I think it is, and uh, violence against women and things like that, which are all very important subjects to 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 showcase and uh, or to, to sort of uh, promote, I would say. Um, and then, like, um, I do remember there is an um, organisation in America, RAIN, which is, uh, which is to do with, like, you know, abuse and things like that. And I remember that there was a male spokesperson for it, and I think one of the things he said that was, like, it's very important that 
the you know usually for you know um, these type of causes there's lots of women who are normally um, sort of the forefront but it's really important to, for men to get behind it too so I really hope that you know I'll take this opportunity to really um, you know maybe showcase or highlight some uh, some charities out there that are um, you know working in uh, in relations to gender and inequality issues you know um, maybe I look I, I know McDonald's and KFC and Harvey Norman and all these people are very big sponsors but uh, but it would be good to see if the replays or or um, you know some of the stories they tell um, you know sort of incorporate some of the you know some of the other uh, other organisations out there that are helping. And, um, yeah, I never really thought about what you've just mentioned about Harvey Norman because that brand Harvey Norman doesn't – it's not really a female brand either, right? Like it's uh, – you know, I, I mean, uh, I don't want to be sexist or anything, but but I don't think it's like um, – I don't think it's a shop that is necessarily big on um, promoting things that are, that are for gender inequality issues, if that makes sense. So – but having know. having said that, though, I think there is uh, isn't isn't one of the commissioners uh, um, the Harvey Norman CEO or whatever. So um, yeah, there is a connection to the organisation, which oh, gotcha, uh, which which makes sense. So you know, and that's fine. It's just um, I'm just saying for those who have no idea what Harvey Norman is, who are from not not from this country, they'll look at it and say, "What does that mean?" Hmm. Uh, it doesn't really make sense. So. Um, but yeah, well, so I, I guess it, they they probably could have got a different sponsor, but I guess they they get the sponsor that they that wants uh, to put the most money to it, um, and, uh, and and also kind of it's it's good to be associated with the 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 event, mm. and and so I think that's that's also another positive thing that it's a local Australian company doing that, and and that's really good as well. So well, yeah. I'll say this and. Um... Yeah, I'm not a marketing expert or, or, or agency, but I, I'm just on the Harvey Norman website right now. And, uh, you know, there's, there's actually nothing about rugby league on there or the fact that this is women in league round. Um, and, uh, yeah, the headline is, you know, supporting Australian athletes. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, there's, I suppose, this male and female there. So, but, yeah, um, yeah, I just, well, uh, like, yeah, I mean, you would, you would think that if the NRL has a major sponsor for a particular round, yeah, um, that they promote it, but they don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there'd be cross promotion, you know. With, no, with no. Both. Yeah, and, and all um, I suppose centered around what the round is actually for. But you know, as I said, not really a marketing genius here. I'm not. Um, you know, this is not the Guru and Transfer. Uh, so. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. And let's not explain what that is to other people as well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. It's, um, no, 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 definitely. But but, but I agree. Good to I think see we... women highlighted, right? Not not the sponsors highlighted. Let's say it like that. So. No, that's right. That's right. And look, I think I mean back to the the main point. I think yeah, um, I, I think it's great that we have these kind of event uh, special event rounds where it highlights certain issues that are important to the game. Uh, we've had quite a few already this year, and we've talked about them. I think one of the, the complaints that I have and we've talked about in the past is that the NRL doesn't really promote these very well. Uh, on occasion, we know in a, with a bit of advance warning that, you know, when, when, say, the Indigenous round is coming up and things like that, but they don't really promote it in the lead-up to it. Uh, and so, you know, it's only... Um, Often you only find out, uh, you know, when, when you're if you're actively looking for it, which is not the point of marketing, <laughs> you know, like you shouldn't be actively looking, expecting people to actively look for things. It should just be you need to grab their attention and find a way to get their attention. So anyway, 
Without any further ado, let's go on to the next news item, which is about uh, Aiden Caesar from the Raiders and uh, on and the formerly sorry from the Canberra Raiders and Gold Coast Titans uh, heading to Leeds. Um, he's also uh, joined one of the national team's coaching staff. So, do you have yeah. the news there? Well, Aiden Caesar, um, you're not only uh, known as uh, what I think grand finalist with Canberra Raiders and. Um, you know, uh, a great halfback in the NRL, but he's been playing over in the Super League for a number of years. And he's, uh, I think he's just turned 30, but he's, you know, leaving for Leeds, uh, you know, departing from Huddersfield. But he is also signed on to be part of the coaching staff for the Turkish national team. That's right. You know, the Turkish Rugby League have appointed Caesar to be part of, um, uh, to be a part of the, uh, to be a part of the, uh, you know, the coaching there. So Caesar was actually born in New South Wales um, to a Turkish father, Yukul, and an Indigenous Australian mother. So he's played over 150 games for the uh, Gold Coast Titans and the Canberra Raiders, and now he's, um, you know, uh, going to be involved in Turkish, uh, the Turkish national team, and um, you know, uh, ba- basically taking part in the two, th- you know, in uh, future. Emerging Nations World uh, Championships as well. So, yeah, what do you think about this sort of signing of getting, um, you know, Aiden Caesar on there? I mean, I I, th- I know he's represented uh, Turkey in the past, but I think it's good. You know, he's got a halfback. He's a, he's a pretty good player as well. I think it's always good to have that sort of organising player in an emerging team um, to guide him around the park. And the fact that he's also joining the coaching you know, we might see a uh, a a production line of halfbacks coming out of Turkey. Yeah, and what's good is that he's not look. Turkey isn't in the world, the upcoming World Cup, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, which probably we need to talk about that as news as well. It's been officially moved. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, yeah that, that was probably the biggest piece of news we should have talked about, but we'll talk about it in a minute. But um, look, he's not. You know, he's going for a, a team that's obviously it's an up and coming nation in rugby league and and they're preparing for their european championship d level game so uh against netherlands malta and and czechia which is uh you know uh is awesome that that he's kind of he's not just latching on to like we've heard (laughs) over here you know a team that's within striking distance of the top tier like samoa and you know and Tonga and whatever, this is a team that really does need that grassroots kind of support. And to have an NRL-level player, uh, you know, admittedly towards the end of his career, but uh, still only 30, pretty young, uh, who's able to provide some of that support is is pretty awesome. And this is exactly what we need. We need people who have those links to other countries mm. to, to give back to their heritage and um, even in, in whatever way they can. Uh, and even if it's just to provide support, some promotion, you know, you might get some some people to go. What's what's this NRL? And then they can just look mm. him up and and what he's uh you know he's in a professional league. Oh, this guy knows what he's doing. You know that kind of thing. It just gives a level of gravitas and respect to um to what his contribution is. So that's I think that's awesome. Um, yeah, and we need to yeah. see more of it because there's definitely more links to uh, other nations that mm. we have, especially in Australia. Uh, well, I'd so. love to see the Turkish team play Greece and settle it once for all. You know, Euros <laughs> or Kebab? 
Um, right. <laughs> you know, that would be awesome. And um, Winner takes Cyprus. No, 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 let's not go there. Uh, but um, look, yeah, I mean, that's uh, probably the Turkey v. Greece uh, thing may need to wait a little bit. That would be an ultimate state of origin match, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, over there, uh, state of origin type match. Um, but yeah, look, yeah. look, I'm hoping, I'm hopeful that one day we'll get to a point where we'll look back on this and say, hey, remember when Aiden Caesar started to help out the Turkish team and, and look how far it's grown and now it's it's competing in the World Cup. You know, that would be the ultimate if in 10 years or so uh, you see the, that nation just growing and growing in terms of number of players and, and quality of players. Uh, so, yeah, and I think... Um, I guess that segues into the last kind of news item, uh, which I sort of alluded to earlier, which was that officially the Rugby League World Cup has been postponed until next year. So I think last time we spoke, we were sort of saying that, um, you know, what what were the options? Should they go ahead? Should they not go ahead? And also, in my mind, definitely, uh, I think I've been pointing the finger at Australia, New Zealand, and uh, the ridiculous decision uh, we thought to kind of... uh, not not back their players going over there when when we have an Olympics going on when we've had other you know <laughs> other sports continuing and even when we've got the Wallabies heading over there uh, so I've I, we we did kind of criticise that to some extent because it was putting a lot of pressure on the international organisers of the World Cup and uh, unfortunately they won um, <laughs> they mm. they put enough pressure that they realize you can't have a world cup without your top t- two of your top nations and definitely your your favorite to win um, so they've made the, the call to do it next year i think it's going to it's going to get uh, look the world will be different this time next year i believe because we'll have a lot more handle on this covid pandemic i think there'll be a lot more things open there'll be a lot more freedoms People will be a lot, much more vaccinated and all that sort of stuff, which will allay some fears that people have at the moment um, in terms of the the growing kind of threat of the Delta strain. So, look, at the end of the day, I think it's health-wise and for many reasons probably a good idea that they moved it. Um, that way everyone can, can participate and really focus on it. The problem is it's going to be up against a lot, uh, you know, up against it in terms of getting people's attention because there's yeah. other major sports that are having like their the World, World Cups Cup. next year. Yeah, yeah, like the Soccer World Cup. And it's just, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening. So that's going to be a bit of a challenge. But having said that, if you're a sport lover, I mean, sit back and relax because next year you're going to get the Soccer World Cup. You're going to get the Rugby League World Cup. You're going to get quite a few other things happening. Um, it's just going to be, uh, it's going to be awesome if you're a sport lover. Unfortunately, Hopefully, we want this uh, to be the best one ever and get the most amount of money and attention. So, yeah, that's my sort of take on it. Uh, what's your take on the, the decision finally to move it to next year? Yeah, well, look, uh, it is bitterly disappointed. Um, I, I do get it for the, I suppose, for the actual uh, legitimacy of who will be the world champions, which is more than likely going to be other Australian New Zealand. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I know England are up there and tomorrow and all these, and they're hopeful, but I think the favourites are going to be Australia and New Zealand. So I think for that, obviously, it probably had to happen, but it is disappointing. And look, I think that, um, look, the Australian cricket team is in Bangladesh at the moment, <laughs> right? And that is after a whole bunch of players earlier in the year were stuck during the Indian pandemic in India. Uh, and they've been to the Caribbean um, as well lately, you know, so I just think that, you know, other sports seem to be able to handle 
the travel of the international teams. I don't still don't understand how rugby league cannot. Um, so it is it is it is still quite disappointing for me. But I think that look in twenty twenty two, we're looking forward to it. Let's hope that this extra year can be spent more on how they can turn this World Cup into an absolutely spectacular event. Um, and look, I think also from the NRL player point of view, I mean, there were lots of players that came out saying that they were disappointed they didn't get to play. But I suppose their hopes and dreams have, have reignited. And let's hope it a kind of, um, you know, not necessarily for the Australian and New Zealand players, but maybe for the Samoan, the Tongans, the Fijians, the, the emerging nations, even, um, I want to, you know, even the Welsh and the Irish and, you know, sort of, you know, some of these teams that are in the tier two that are, you know, sort of pushing into tier one. Let's have it really sparks up their uh, their interest in really doing well in this tournament, and they've got an extra year to to sort of to to prepare themselves. And uh, I think that that will be great. It's going to be interesting as well. What's going to happen at the end of this NRL season? Because they were talking about doing an Australian New Zealand series. I don't know if that's still something that they're going to do, but I'd I'd like to see if the World Cup has been pushed back to twenty twenty two, and we haven't had internationals for such a long time. I would like to see maybe a couple of Samoa versus Tonga uh, matches at the end of the year, um, you know, Fiji playing a couple of teams here and there. I would like to see like a, a, an actual, I suppose, international season where we get a couple of games going on just so that, um, you know, teams don't go, <laughs> you know, the first round of the Rugby League World Cup, it's not like the teams have actually gelled and played together for a bit um, and know each other's games because, you know, we've seen how important con- cont- uh, continuity is. Um, even at the state of origin representative level, right? Like, you know, game three, New South Wales, they, uh, they really didn't sync because, uh, you know, they were great players, but, but they just, just didn't each other, didn't understand each other's game. So yeah, but look, it is what it is. We really can't do anything about it, but, um, but yeah, looking forward to 2022, maybe, uh, maybe the borders are open and even the fans can travel. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, but let's let's see. Hopefully, things will be much better, and we'll have a you know the crowd interested as opposed to an empty, soulless stadium, <laughs> which uh, which is the last thing we want. But look, um, let's move on to the next tackle, which is our NRL round twenty one wrap. Here we go. All right, so a lot of interesting games. Uh, a lot to talk about, put it that way. So let's get into it. The uh, just quick review: the Knights twenty-eight twenty over the Broncos, the Raiders twenty to twelve over the Dragons, the Rabbitohs forty to twelve over the Parramatta Eels, the Warriors eighteen sixteen over the Sharks, the Panthers twenty to fourteen over the Roosters, the Storm twenty-eight eighteen over the Sea Eagles, the Tigers twenty-eight sixteen over the Bulldogs, and the Titans thirty-six fourteen over the Cowboys. Tish, one of the things I noticed this week, this weekend, is there were really only two games that were, um, you know, at least on the scoreboard, uh, a bit of a shellacking, which is a welcome change from uh, <laughs> constant blowouts mm. that we've seen in the last uh, several weeks. So, um, and yeah, and unfortunately, my team, uh, the 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 Eels, were probably the handed the biggest shellacking from the Rabbitohs, who have definitely stamp themselves as uh, premiership contenders already. Um, look, to me, the highlight, I think, was the Warriors uh, getting uh, getting the points over the Sharks. I think 
of all the games, uh, I didn't catch all the games. I saw some of the highlights especially, but I think for, of all the games where I thought, you know, the Warriors really did need to win and to win it against the Sharks who were who at that stage in the top top eight um, sort of signals, uh, signals that they've, you know, potentially they've got mathematically a chance to make it, as we mentioned earlier. So, yeah, um, for me, that was uh, that was the highlight. Um, you know, Panthers and Roosters quite close. Storm and Seagulls were quite close, but I think the Storm never really looked like losing. But on the scoreboard, yeah, certainly, I, certainly looked they did a little take bit the closer. Lead a couple of times, uh, I yeah. think. Um, but yeah, it's just a. Uh, I, I know a lot of people were saying that the Seagulls are very happy with their performance and they they kind of felt that they know how to beat them the next time they play them, which is a kind of an interesting uh, sort of uh, thing that you could go to. Because I, cause from from my understanding, I mean, um, I've got to look at the stats, but it, stats, but it certainly looked, looked like it um, when you're watching it. That, look, even though the Storm seemed to be on top on all the different um, uh, the metrics, um, they really couldn't. Uh, they couldn't do much against the Sea Eagles, and the, while the Sea Eagles looked a lot more dangerous in attack than what other teams have against uh, Penrith, uh, against Melbourne Storm. So this is the this is the chink, you know. One team finds a way to beat the top team, and then uh, other teams catch a wind of it and potentially, you know, sort of perfect the system, you know. And um, we saw it a few years ago uh, with the Roosters, right? The Roosters were seemed unbeatable. Uh, until like you know, until I think when they played uh, Melbourne in that year, and then um, what Melbourne were doing were that they were turning the ball in like in, in inside um, because you know the Roosters' defense kind of tries to push uh, you know the play towards the edge, and then you know the, the the team runs out of the room. So what the Melbourne started doing is moving in attack, and I think I think we kind of saw that with uh, Manly. I think Manly kind of you know were able to take him through the middle a little bit, and then sort of. Uh, and then spread the ball wide, get a couple of play the balls and a couple of like they kind of showed a bit of a blueprint. So let's it's going to be interesting uh, to see the other top teams how they sort of um, change their game game plan if they meet Melbourne. But look, I'll let you continue. Uh, no, no, no. I, I was just sort of yeah. I was just sort of bringing up the point that I think um, you know the the even though that there were there were some tight games, I think some of the teams that ended up winning they were almost expected to win and mm. and it wasn't like i guess the the score line kind of flattered the winning team on a few occasions and yeah. you kind of knew that um uh sorry not flattered the losing team in, in the yeah. sense that it probably could have been a bit more of a blowout so mm. i wonder I, I didn't really notice any patterns about whether whether there's been any changes in the way the teams are playing at the moment but definitely i'm a bit concerned as we've spoken about before the the, the way the rules are kind of, um, you know, seem to be yeah. uh, favouring the blowouts and uh, we kind of don't want that to happen. But, you know, let's see what happens. But I would say, look, nothing really much has changed in terms of the teams, in my mind, the teams that are kind of on the ascendancy and are fighting for a place in that top eight. We've got Newcastle, Canberra, you know, the Warriors. Sharks are still in there as well. Uh, and... and um, you know, and Tigers are, are still alive, and the Titans. So these are the teams that we thought were going to be more likely to be there at the end. Um, but definitely, you know, I mean, Newcastle and Canberra, I think, are coming good. But again, their opposition last weekend, Brisbane and St George, weren't aren't necessarily setting the world on fire. So it's 
let's let's kind of keep a lid a little bit on on expectations but look to me and i hate to talk about this but to me the main story for me is the the capitulation of the eels and and the 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 slide down <laughs> down the betting market and and down our expectations i think um, they just look like they've, they're losing the plot. And mm. I don't know whether there's any way out of it. Um, I was hoping Lionel Messi would come and save the day, but that's not to be. I did note there was another piece of news that I forgot to mention, which is that um, Peter Sterling has, uh, has, after many, many years, has uh, quit his media post at Channel 9. Wow. Um, so I don't, I don't actually know where he's headed. I don't know the details of it, but all I know is that Look, I wonder whether there's been moves to uh, ask him to become the coach of the Eels. Who knows? Oh wow! Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm just putting it out there as, as pure speculation. But um, yeah, look, unfortunately, I don't want to talk too much about the Eels because it's getting me a bit depressed. But uh, <laughs> but um, but look, they're still in the top four. Uh, or no, well, they're still in the top eight at the moment. They're probably in, in danger of of slipping out of the top four the way things are going. But look, South Sydney are red hot at the moment. Uh, they're on fire. And look, the other key thing, I, I must not forget, a very, very big milestone was reached in that game where uh, Adam Reynolds uh, overtook Eric Sims as the greatest uh, point scorer in Rabbitohs history, uh, which is no no small feat. So well done, Adam Reynolds. It's mm. a big, big deal. Uh, well, actually, to, I, th- I think it is actually small feat. I believe they're size eight and a half. <laughs> No, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Don't do that. And and look, if anything, if anything, it kind of reminded it made me a bit annoyed as well that we didn't choose him in that final state of origin game because mm. he has been setting uh the NRL on fire in the last, you know, couple of months and he is one of the main reasons why the Rabbitohs are um, you know, gearing up for a real tilt at this premiership. And don't be surprised mm. if you see the Rabbitohs in on grand final day with someone like, you know, Wayne Bennett, possibly his last hurrah there uh, in Sydney uh, for the great South Sydney Rabbitohs team. Who knows what he's going to pull out of his hat? Um, and it might not be a Rabbitoh, it might be a premiership. So let's see what happens. But look look out for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Mm. Um, any final thoughts before we move on? Well, you know, I think um, I think South Sydney are a bit of a blueprint uh, for other clubs to follow. You know, how do you how do you reward somebody for uh, achieving a milestone uh, in your club? You know, the most points scored ever. Like we're talking what over a hundred years worth of history here. Um, you reward him by allowing him to be uh, move, moving to Brisbane <laughs> next year, right? Um, and not finding hard for his contract. And uh, really, I I haven't heard of his replacement yet for the Rabbitohs. Like, you know, the the young up-and-comer who he's been shuffling out for. So that's kind of interesting too. But look, look, everybody's sort of piling on against Parramatta at the moment. You know, they lost three in a row. It it is. The Fratenda's done so well throughout the whole season. And it's been a similar story in the past few seasons. They're perennial. Every year they, they make the finals, and um, you know, but then getting to that next level has just been—it's just been a you know a, a wall or a ceiling. They've just got to this ceiling. Um, but I heard Danny Wyler say something very interesting, which is uh, which I never really thought about. Which was actually no, it wasn't Danny Wyler. It was um, it might have been Michael Clark this morning, um, the cricketer. But he sort of said, you know, do you think uh, Andrew Johns um, 
not being in the Parramatta bubble and not being able to work with the halves, has that affected the way Parramatta play? And when he asked that question, I kind of thought, well, actually, if you think about it, um, a lot of their sort of, you know, form, um, it's kind of been more with their attack. Their attack doesn't seem as as sharp as what it did do. And um, I don't think Andrew Johns has had time to actually work with the halves like he's had all year. So, yeah, I don't think we should just go to like, you know, oh, Brad, what are you doing with it? I think I think you've got to realise that probably Brad Arthur probably doesn't have the resources uh, in Queensland at the moment as what he had over in, um, you know, in Sydney when before the lockdown. So um, maybe, yeah, maybe if Joey can get on a Zoom call or something with uh, with him <laughs> or something, you know, and just uh, have, a, have a chat because I th- I th- you can see the talent is there. Uh, the ability is there. Um, it's just, I don't know, it's just a, a, I don't know if it's a mental thing or if it's a, they just, they just, uh, you know, that they, they, they had the ingredient, they were able to put it together at the start of the season, but they, but I, I, you know, what, what do you think, Dr. What, what's happened? Like, how, how do we fix it? Oh, look, very quickly, because I don't, I don't want to yeah, dwell on it, but I think, yeah. no, no, but I think, the, I think the main thing is, uh, they seem to be at their best when they play ad hoc mm-hmm. kind of, uh, you know, second phase play and and exciting football. I think the more structure you try to apply to that, the harder it is for them to um, put it this way: the they're too predictable oh, in okay. attack. And gotcha. when when they're at their best, it's when they're unpredictable, and you can't necessarily you can coach that, but it's also a motivation thing. And I mm. think so. I think that they need to have a balance of predictableness and, and predictability in terms of set plays that, that, you know, are guaranteed to get you moving forward and guaranteed to at least get you a shot at a try from a set piece. But you also need the team, the entire team to work together and and be do a bit of the razzle-dazzle. They've got enough firepower there. Uh, they were When they were on fire early in the year, it wasn't because people were saying, well, that was a, you know, a uh, very good passage of play there and a good set piece. And they're certainly not clinical like the Melbourne Storm is. I think they've just gone away from what, what their strengths are. Yeah. And potentially it could be that over a long season that being uh, playing that razzle-dazzle football is a bit taxing on you. Maybe it's it's hard to keep up in terms of momentum and, and sustain it through the whole season. Um, and so I think that's the thing. The co- It's up to the coach ultimately to set, the right structures in place to ensure that they do the basics right. And then once they do the basics right, then the backs and everyone can just have, have a bit of fun and, and, you know, go for it. And I think at the moment they're not doing the basics right. And so they're getting flogged because of it. Yeah. So I think that's, that's the reason it's, wow, that's the, it's great. Yeah. Idea. I think you've really nailed it. So I think they need to be inspired by the Queensland icon, the, the big pineapple. Um, it kind of matches their jersey. Let's get a pineapple-based, um, oh, no. you know, Parramatta jersey, uh, and let's get them on the Pineapple Express, like not thinking about life, just just chilling out a little bit. You know, maybe that's what it is. It's too intense. Oh, I think they've been chilling out too much in defence. Put it that way. <laughs> I think that's part of the problem. Uh, that, that's probably the target problem. Just yeah, they've they're they're, they're like tense in attack and chilled in defence. That's the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> but look, let's let's uh, all right. Let's wrap it up there. Let's move on to our third tackle 
Uh, and we're going to talk about some big news with regards to the grand final. Here we go. Right, so this this we thought we needed to talk about separately from the news item because uh, you know we, we may it's going to raise a bit of a discussion between us. So mm. look, really, this is about the NRL is considering moving the grand final to New Zealand, uh, just as the crowds are getting a green light to return in Queensland. Um, so the 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 latest twist. In the battle for this year's grand final is that the governing body uh, has reportedly, so the NRO has reportedly considered shifting the final, uh, the game, the grand final, the the big piece de resistance to New Zealand. Um, Now, Brisbane and Sydney, we know, are in a tug of war over the grand final, which is scheduled for Sunday, October 3. Melbourne also entered the conversation last week. Uh, and uh, it was revealed that Storm owner Matt Tripp is planning to bid for the right to host the showpiece event. But according to our Sydney Morning Herald, one of the uh, the flagship uh, uh, newspapers in, in Australia, or in Sydney especially, New Zealand are also in the conversation following the Wallabies All Blacks clash uh, that was played in front of 47,000 fans at Eden Park in Auckland last Saturday. So, Tish, this raises the question, which we have talked about on many occasions. We seem to be ahead of the curve, Tish, sometimes when it comes to these big issues. But I thought we'd raise it again since it's timely and it's in news. Um, what what are we going to do with the grand final this year? Is Look, it's going to be tough. I'm pretty sure it's uh, it's almost a guarantee that this is not going to happen in in Sydney, uh, given the lockdown is probably going to extend beyond that period. So we're in a situation there where, where really we need to look at what's the next best option. So in my mind, mm. it's about, you know, Queensland potentially, uh, Suncorp Stadium, you know, the home of the, home of the Olympics in 2032, um, you know, one way mm. to sort of reward Queensland for everything they've done this year to keep the State of Origin Series and the NRL going is to, to grant them that grand final centerpiece. Uh, it, it'll be the first grand final uh, played outside of Sydney ever. So it'll be a huge, huge deal if it were the case. And so, you know, that's one thing. Melbourne enters the equation, but New Zealand as well. I mean, the argument for New Zealand is uh, that, you know, you could safely get, you know, you don't need to get the whole NRL. You just need to get two teams over there in terms of a bubble. Um and and look, one way, one argument is that look, this is a way to reward New Zealand, mm. especially rewarding the Warriors and giving. It shows that the giving code back. is giving back to the New Zealand faithful. Um, I think it's a great idea. Uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts, but my yeah. view is, I think it's a, a slight bit behind uh, Brisbane as the favourite uh, at the moment, given all that Queensland and Brisbane has done. <laughs> to maintain uh, to maintain the game as well, so um, so yeah, w- and and I think not bringing it to Brisbane would be almost a slap in the face. So it might be a bit of a a concern. And I think I think, however, this opens up. Uh, well, I get your thoughts on that, and then it, well, let's talk about the future. So, what are your thoughts on that in terms of the likelihood of New Zealand entering the frame? Yep. So I, I think you're probably probably in agreement. I think you're thinking that Queensland is probably top. 
uh, and then probably New Zealand is probably second in line, and I think Melbourne's third, right? Um, so I do like the idea of giving back to the fans, right? Um, and 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 granting New Zealand the opportunity to actually have the grand final. Um, obviously, they never have it. Never had it. They they probably never have it. I mean, let's be honest. Like, um, there is a what a a fifty year contract or something like that that the NRL signed for Sydney, uh, yeah. which which now in hindsight looks so silly. By the way, um, because you know you've you know they're trying to get a bidding war happening at, potentially against uh, a lot of these um, states for this year, and uh, yeah, I just don't know if you even have enough time for people to to work out the uh, you know. The viability of it because you got to remember all, a lot of these places are shut for tourism anyway um so what mm. type of uh, money can it actually generate if there isn't the tourism dollars so yeah but then coming back to it look i think that um yeah obviously queensland um yeah a bit of a slap in the face to queensland if they don't get it because i think out of all the states they have i mean apart from the most latest incident but i think overall They've been really supportive about rugby league um, over the whole crisis period, and you know the NRL has actually had to have special exemptions um, in these, you know, New South Wales, Queensland, and Victoria to try and make this happen. Um, and if technically the reason why the Warriors are here is because the New Zealand government has has not been as accommodating to the NRL. And now I know it's logistically impossible, so I understand that it's not necessarily an argument, but. Um, there is also that sort of thought in there as well, where uh, you know, if you know, the part of the reason why New Zealand do have to come here is because the borders are shut, and that goes back down to the New Zealand government not really working with the NRL too much. But um, I think their hands are tied anyway. So yeah, look, it would be great. Look, I think I'm excited for the grand final not being in New South Wales for the very first time. I I, I do have to say that. Um, and if I was to ever pick a venue that you know, Queensland would probably be the first one that would sort of go in. But, you know, I've heard this other thing, Dr. T, and I think this is the way the trend has happened with the current administration with the NRL. Uh, they've been, uh, they've had a very uh, follow-the-money approach <laughs> when, it, <laughs> when it comes to granting. So they, they want to get the biggest crowd. So, um, you know, I'm just on OzStadium.com uh, to try and work out what the biggest capacity is. And... Um, you know, it's actually Flemington Racecourse. Um, so, so like, you know, or Melbourne Cricket Crowd. So, I don't know. And Is Melbourne, are they in lockdown? I think they're sort of, you know, they're in lockdown one week, they're in lockdown the oh, other week. They might week. be heading, heading out of lockdown. Probably, yeah, heading yeah. in, heading out, shaking all about, you know. Um, uh, they've, they've kind of had uh, a few issues. So, I, I think it's going to go to Queensland at the end of the day. But, um you know, the other thing is I'm just thinking about MasterChef this year. You know, what they did is they actually did the uh, grand final over two nights. So I'm wondering whether the NRL grand final should happen over two venues. So you play the first half in Queensland and the second half in New Zealand. What do you think about that? <laughs> not not a fan, no. Not a fan of that, not a fan no, of that. Okay. Fan. I, like what you're, I like what you're doing. You're thinking ahead. You're thinking about, you know, uh, it's a bit of a you know soccer sort of Champions League type thing, home and away kind of thing maybe. Or yeah. but look, I, I don't know. I think um, look, we're talking about the future as well. So obviously we agree that in terms of Brisbane is probably the favourite at the moment. But in terms of the future, I think uh, you raise the point that I think I think the NRL should consider doing the NFL kind of model where 
you you do shop around the mm. venue um, and look ultimately we've had this debate before Tish and, and it's it's come down to the comparison with the AFL and the idea of having that kind of um, uh, that that traditional venue that's been the venue of your uh, the, the the of your grand final since the beginning of uh, of your of your your competition since the beginning of your sport it's a traditional it's historical there's a continuity there there's certainly it's certainly you know there, there's a lot of history there mm. in comparison we have not had that in in rugby league we've had in you know in terms of the top game in Australia. We've had when when it was the New South Wales Rugby League, it was the Sydney Cricket Ground, then the Sydney Football Stadium. Um, Sydney Cricket Ground still exists, but is no way uh, in, in no way a fit venue for a grand final. I would think uh, you know it's it's just it's too far from the crowd. It's not quite not quite there in terms of quality. Um, Sydney Football Stadium is not in existence anymore it's been knocked down so so that mm. there's that's out of the way then we've had the olympic stadium which has gone under many different names and and you know there's there's also the potential to to bring it to say a banquet stadium which is a more niche smaller stadium but really in terms of grand finals we've had at least three that i can think of three venues in uh in in the top uh you know in the grand final for rugby league uh, the NRL and previously the ARL and New South Wales Rugby League. So we don't have that continuity like the AFL does with the Melbourne Cricket Ground. So I think we need to think a bit differently. Rugby League mm. has always been, in my mind, a more innovative sport in terms of looking to embrace new technologies and new rules. Better- New new rules every day. It seems like there's a new rule. That's another that's another issue, Tish. We'll talk about that another day. But look, ultimately, I think let's. Let's do it. This is the mm. time to to really change up the way we do things. Mm. We're doing it out of necessity now. Um, we don't have a choice. We're very un very unlikely to to have to uh, hold that game in Sydney. So let's let's actually make a decision that benefits the future of the game. Let's set the path going forward and have the game the the ultimate showpiece event, the grand final as a a moving you know moving to different venues now look suncorp stadium this year potentially uh you know new zealand next year when things are open potentially we've got melbourne bidding for things we've also got two other players let's not forget we've got perth and adelaide have excellent Mm. stadiums as well that we could we could leverage and we could get into a bidding war and you know even Mm. though adelaide doesn't have a presence in the game uh, at the the highest level maybe that's an opportunity for for that to to spark that conversation and to get the next generation of uh, south australian kids interested in the game and so this is what we need to do we can't keep doing the same thing we're doing it's not necessarily growing the game. It's not necessarily yeah. working. Um, so, yeah, in my mind, uh, let's take this as an opportunity to change the path going forward. Yeah. Tish, and, I'll and, let you have the last word on that. Yeah, and I think what I love about the Super Bowl model is that you have, like, I think his name is Superfan Joe, who's been to every Super Bowl in every venue. Like, you know, like, you're going to get oh, these... Wow. You're going get, to get these super fans, right, all these people who want to be at all these different grand finals, right? I think that's the, you know, it's the uniqueness of it. Like, I get the AFL concept to the tradition. I suppose you're sort of likening your sport to religion, 
you know, in a little way, like this is a pilgrimage back. Oh yeah. The grand final was the missionaries. Yeah. Yeah. The missionaries and stuff like that. But, but the reality is also, if you have a look at the AFL grand final, you think about the AFL season, it all leads to just one single event, which is uh, the grand final, right? Whereas for rugby league, it is the only sport uh, major code in Australia that has a domestic competition, a state-based competition, and a international competition, right? I suppose cricket, you could say cricket's got that now as well, but for a long time, cricket yeah. didn't even have that either, right? They, they, it's they not just that they have those competitions. They're actually extremely popular, all three yeah. levels. Yeah. All three levels. So, yeah, so you've got you've actually got so much there that um, that becomes – so. So I think that is something that you could sort of travel around with, as opposed to as opposed to sort of something that you could just keep stationary. Because really, it is uh, you know it's bigger than one city, it's bigger than one country, you know. Um, <laughs> so so you kind of want to make that uh, an opportunity. You got to remember, New Zealand actually has a team as well. So I think yeah. you know, and then you've also got multiple cities within New Zealand too. You know, we're we're treating it like one just one giant island, but the reality is you've got Eden Park, you've got Auckland, um, you know, you've probably got Dunedin. You've, you've got other options in New Zealand too, which will also make it exciting. So I, th- I think that's the way forward. Um, and I think, yeah, like, uh, yeah, it, it is going to spark interest in those pl- places. I, th- I think it's a golden opportunity once again um, that they should look at. So, yeah, let's see how it goes. And, um, yeah, what is the future? You know, the, um, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the yeah, three-match series. You know, the good thing about the three-match series in, like, the NBA, for example, which is, I think it's seven games, right? Seven but, games, yeah. Yeah, it, it's just that um, for seven weeks, all everybody's talking about is basketball for the entire nation, right? Um, it is it is the number one headline because, you know, uh, and then, like, you know, it's a return game here and a return game there, and they've dropped a game like this, and, you know, and, and then it becomes... Uh, you know, by the end of the series, the teams are absolutely exhausted having to play each other so many times to try and figure it out, you know. Um, you know, and then, like, you know, I think baseball has something similar. So, you know, I think I think, I think, think these things can be looked at down the track. But I think, the, I think the first step is to get out of this concept of Sydney, 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 Brisbane, 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 uh, and, not, and not focus on Melbourne and New Zealand and, and Adelaide and Perth and, you know, uh, all the different places in there, you know, you could, you know, dare I say PNG, dare I say China, J- Japan, you know, uh, like it's crazy once you start thinking about it, like um, what you could actually do with it. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's move on to uh, tackle. Where are we up to? Tackle number four. Here we go. Now, um, now we're moving to talking about the NRL women's game, uh, which has uh, is now going to be holding a standalone October event uh, after it's been the the kickoff of the season has been delayed slightly. Tish, do you want to walk us through what's happening there? Yeah, uh, absolutely, Doctor T. So the kickoff of the NRL uh, women's premiership has been delayed until October due to the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, uh, so it's going to be a six-week competition to be held um, at the end of the season as a standalone season to the men's game. So um, 
So there are the NRL has had discussions with the six participating clubs and all the key stakeholders, um, you know, to to push the game back. So look, I suppose the main thing is that this is the first time the NRL women's elite competition will be played as a standalone event um, after most matches um, and most matches are going to be double headers in line with the men's final series um, as in previous seasons. So look, this is the fourth edition of the um, NRLW. I believe it's always been the same two teams in the grand final and the other three. And I believe Brisbane has won all three, right? So um, I wonder, I was just thinking, is this good or bad for women's rugby league? The fact that this year for the first time, it's going to be a standalone um, season due to COVID. Is this a silver lining in that uh, they'll get more of a profile standing alone? Or do you think it's going to hurt the competition by not having... um, but not having sort of the the men's game sort of support the women's game. What are your thoughts, Dr. T? Oh, look, I think they, they're, they're already, we talked about this, they've, they've already expanded to six teams compared to the four teams that have been playing for several years now. And so I think I think they're at the stage where the, the training wheels need to come off at some point. And, mm. and I think this is, look, it's a risk, especially in the current situation, but... I think it's important that they go off on their own and and test the waters in terms of the market and see how it works out. Yeah. Especially now that you've got six clubs and potentially if there's enough interest, then it'll expand even further than what they were anticipated. So I think it's a good thing. Uh, eventually, it, it the, the, the only risk would be, or the main risk would be the fact that the, the timing of it is a bit kind of difficult at the moment um, given the situation. But I think... I think that's still, uh, yeah, I think the training wheels do need to come off at some point. So I think maybe, as I said, this is probably the time to do it uh, and, and see where you go. My concern would be if things don't work out where they expect it in terms of uh, number of, uh, you know, eyeballs in on the, in TV and streaming and all, all sorts of other things, then it might sort of uh, set them back a little bit. But I think as long as the decision makers are aware that this is an unusual time and yeah. and 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 to not sort of go back on their decision to let them go on their own path, I think um, I think it will be a good thing. Ultimately, it needs to be as a standalone thing uh, yeah. and and see where it goes. And I think uh, let let's see. Hopefully, there will be good cross cross promotion and promotion of yeah. of I, it in general. Yeah, I, re- I really hope so too. And I actually think this could actually be really good because you know, I'm thinking about the women's state of origin game. It was the best state of origin game this year, <laughs> right? And, um, you know, it was a great spectacle on its own. And I think the fact that it doesn't have to compete with any other NRL game um, for that weekend, I think, help, uh, you know, sort of helps its ratings and help, helps it a little bit. Um, so so let's see how this goes. Um, and then, obviously, we could plan for what, what they do next year. Um, I think what you found in the, uh, in the Big Bash Women's League for the cricket, is that what they had is that when the games were on with the men's competition, um, you know, the women had the same match on um, sort of underneath and that's the way they were able to organise it. And then it just allowed a lot more exposure to the women's cricket, which helped. And then, but now it's branched off into its own thing. It actually has better ratings than the, I think, the Big Bash Men's League, which is awesome, right? Um, And um, so, so I think... Yeah, so it could be that time where we do that split, and um, because you know, because because the NRL doesn't really have it as a feature in the, I suppose the you know, 
underneath the NRL's men's game. Like, you know, when people go out to the game, they get there early to watch the women's game as well as the men's game because they don't really have that thing going on at the moment anyway. Um, I don't think it hurts them being standalone because I think they're not really getting any exposure by by that right now because um, they all, I think I think what, the first season they played all the games at Shark Park or something like that, you know. So I, um, to have the men's competition finished, to have the women play on their own, um, uh, hopefully get television coverage for it as well. Nobody else is talking about anything else in rugby league apart from women's rugby league. Uh, yeah. Let's hope the media get behind it. Let's hope that Talkback Radio gets behind it. Um, you know, NRL 360, all, all the TV shows are centered around the women's game for 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 the six-week competition. I think that would really help the profile of it. Um, you know, do some play pieces. You know, you've seen like 40 million, you know, stories on Cameron Smith and Billy Slater and State of Origin and all that stuff. But let's let's put together some um, some short videos on the profile of some of these um, NRL women. You know, some of them are, are, are amazing. Like, I believe um, one of the players in New Zealand Warriors, her son plays for the Parramatta Eels, um, which is amazing, right? Uh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, awesome. yeah. Um, is it, uh, uh, you know, Papali? Uh, oh, Papali, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Papali for Parramatta. Yeah, his mum plays for the New Zealand Warriors. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, which is unbelievable, right? So, uh, yeah, because you've got to remember a lot of these women, they, you know, they have re- regular jobs and, um, you know, they've sort of prolonged their career just to be a part of it. So I don't know if she's still playing or not, but, you know, just highlighting stories like that would be, like, amazing, you know? Absolutely. Totally agree. All right. Um, let's move on to the next tackle, uh, which is, uh, look, it's about another plan to revolutionize rugby league. Let's give it a bit of a, a discussion. So here we go with tackle number five. All right. So, this week, we've heard from Castleford's chief, uh, who uh, the, who basically, uh, Mark Grattan, the Castleford Tigers in, in the UK, the managing director, Mark Grattan, has tabled a proposal for a new competition to replace the reserves uh, called Lightning Rugby. So he wants Super League to copy Cricket's The 100 and Formula One's Sprint by introducing a new shortened form of the game for 2022. Um, and this Lightning Rugby uh, is uh, would basically consist of eight-man teams playing matches in short spells. The competition is designed to introduce a faster, more exciting version of the game in a bid to halt the decline in attendances in Super League over there in the UK. And uh, Mark Graden has uh, said, quote, we need to do something radical to get the fans back. Uh, so he says he has gained in, engaged interest from all sectors of the game and his proposal is set to be discussed by clubs at Friday's meeting, which has been called to determine the future of the game. And so a little bit more detail. Scoring would consist of a point for a try with no goals and at least four players would have to be under the age of 21. Tish, um, look, every man and his dog over there seems to have <laughs> an idea uh, for how to how to spark interest in rugby league over there in the UK. We've heard from obviously Shane Richardson, who used to be the uh, CEO of the Rabbitohs, 
<laughs> and went, went over there and has provided a bit of a report to the NRL, done a bit of recon mm. uh, to, to kind of work out what the issues are over there for on behalf of the NRL, but has also put a proposal forward. We discussed that a couple of weeks ago. And Tish, what do you think about this latest radical plan? Um, does it make sense? Uh, do you think it's just another crazy idea that won't go anywhere? Yeah, well, what I don't understand is that why can't we just rebrand Nines to Lightning Rugby League? Or, um, you know, we, we've tried Sevens. There's a bit of buzz around Nines, and then now we're going to move to Eights. Like, that's what I wasn't, like, uh, sure about with this, you know. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not too sure how this works. Um, I, I think you really got to – I think with um, – it's got to be – I think any sort of, um, you know, alternate version has to have um, something unique about it uh, that's that's more than just, like, the number of players. Like, you've got to either shorten the field or you've got to, um, you know, change the concept of the rules or something like that to make it a bit more exciting. Um, you know, I think about, like, what, what's been successful. Like, you know, for example, three-on-three basketball, right, um, over the five-man sport. Like, so it's, you go to five-to-three, so what's that great about it? But you play half-court, right? And um, you got to, and then like there's certain rules about being able to take it there and there again, so it, it becomes it, it becomes different, you know. So um, maybe they need to sort of think about, okay, yes, let's have a different form of rugby league that is a bit more like um, going to be a bit more appealing. Um, but rugby league's kind of appealing on its own anyway, right? It's just uh, it's just we haven't marketed it properly, so. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Look, I think I think it's good that people are coming up with ideas because I think um, you know Super League definitely needs ideas. I think we need to have a lot more ideas. So I don't want to necessarily say that's a bad idea, uh, but I, but I <laughs> but I feel like you know we've got sevens, we've got nines, we've got eights. What are we actually looking for here? You know, what are we looking for? I suppose what he is looking for is he's looking for the lightning in the bottle, isn't he? You know, he's he's you know it's like that like a Tesla, you know. A thousand ideas before you get to the first idea, that type of thing. So, um, yeah, I'm not too sure. So, look, I suppose we do need a, I suppose, a marketable version of rugby league, a shortened version of it. What's the solution there, Doctor T? Do we go to, um, you know what? Why don't we play rugby ones, one on one rugby league? <laughs> no. How does that work? Look, um, you know, it depends on who, who's, who the ones are. If it's like Brad Fittler versus uh, Steve Roach, or, or like that would be interesting, you know, um, or Michael Michael Hancock versus anyone. Um, look, look, I think uh, the idea the idea in itself that we need a bit of a quicker game. Uh, my my concern is that it's the idea was that this was meant to be replacing the reserve grade competition, which is kind of it's a bit. I think that's a bit silly because what would happen there is as a club, you know, you'd have no option to send someone down to reserves mm. because the, you're sending them to a lightning rugby match, which is not really going to get them. Like, is it going to get them match fit? <laughs> you know, is it going to allow them to fight their way back into the top team? I don't really think so. So I, I'm not sure about whether that's the right approach as a, as a concept for a different type of game. Uh, again, I'm just concerned that if, if we keep bringing up all these ideas for new types of games, um, it's just going to seem a bit silly uh, that, you know, even the fact we've got a nines when rugby's got a sevens, uh, which has already had two goes at an Olympics, um, 
is a bit of a concern. Like, is you know, in my mind, nines is very close to sevens. In fact, if anything, having sevens makes it more exciting, more open play. Nines seems to crowd a bit in terms of um, it's not too different from thirteen. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Uh, whereas sevens is definitely different from fifteen. It's less than half. It's or it's about half. Yeah, or it's less than half. Yeah. So that to me says that if we're going to have an alternate form of the game. It needs to be radical, radically different enough that um, that it can be seen as a different kind of product, and potentially also in, uh, kind of encourage new sort of skills or different t- type of skills. So, you know, um, look, there's the touch football kind of angle as well. You could see that as a form of the game. Um, in my mind, I think these are good. While these are good ideas, maybe we should have a uh, some focus on the fact that, um, you know, one of the, the issues with, say, Oztag and touch football is that you can have mixed competitions. Mm. I would like to see maybe a rugby league be one of the first sporting codes to have mixed male and female teams uh, on, a reg- on a professional level. I think that would be awesome. Um, potentially not as a, as a contact sport, but maybe as a tag or a touch football kind of thing so anyway that's mm. one idea but um yeah i don't know if i'm answering your question I've, I've come up with another idea i think you didn't want me to but yeah no, um, no it's but it, this it, is yeah there's a lot of good ideas out there um but i think this one in particular i'm not sure look i haven't read too much into it but the idea of no goals and just focusing on tries and the thing about at least four players being under the age of 21 i mean what is it trying to be is it just trying to get younger players involved? Is it like a you know like the Olympics in football in soccer has an it's an under is it an under twenty threes kind of uh, tournament? But you are allowed to have th- up to three players that are over twenty three, so yeah. so you can have you know an aging superstar come in to your team, your national team, and play an Olympics which is great. And we need to do that kind of thinking. Like when you say restrict restrict the age to under 21 or, or, or at least some players, what does that mean? And what, what, what are you trying to do there? Uh, like that, we need to think of why, why this is the case. So I don't know if that's actually been discussed, but yeah, in terms of this particular idea, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, I do like what you said about maybe taking one of the best elements of it, which is the name. And and actually seeing if we can apply it to a more marketing, yeah. more broader marketing Lightning sense. Lightning ball, perhaps even you know, like instead of, yeah, I, I think rugby league's biggest problem is is marketing or the way we promote it. Like I think it's I think it's kind of clear. Let's have a think about it like this, right? Like you've got uh, football, the the most famous sport, the most popular sport in the world, and um, you know what? Like there is indoor, there's futsal, there's beach, there's this, this there are variations. But nothing is ever going to replace the true, the true tried and tested football, you know, um, because it is it is simple. Anybody can see it. Anybody can play it. Like you know, it's just it's just there. And I think rugby league has has I think it's hurt itself by overcomplicating itself. You know, I think the um, the magic of six, you know, six tackles and ten meters. Uh, was, you know, I think I think we're. Over the years, we've tw- tinkered and, and tried to make it a more technical game, but it never had to be technical. I think simplicity, uh, you know, works. And then if you've got a game that's easily enjoyed and easily understandable, then 
you can go out and market it and then you'll do you, you'll do well like you know um because you're right nines and 13s there is there really isn't that much of a difference at all right if anything the nine minutes hurts it because um there's still too many players on the field for you to get uh, enough scores down the line right mm. and um you know and also like you know the zones with different people score and things like this you know kind of means that more of the play is centered around the middle where there's less gaps um whereas you know because a lot of tries are scored out wide right so um which is exciting because you know it's always exciting to watch a winger run down the sideline you know what i mean so i i think they've got to i think they've got to think about things before they actually uh like like put it in like you know do we do we want to stop you know, uh, where, you know, you have a, a foot race between two sp- speedy players, um, you know, and then they get tackled, you know. You know, do we want to see two great kickers kicking the ball back and forth against each other, you know? Is that going to be exciting for the fans, you know? Uh, do we want to see all the forwards in a wall, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, you know how Parramatta have that sort of thing. Um, you know, the mousetrap, like, you've taken all the craziness out of the game a little bit, I feel. Uh, just to be pedantic about inside shoulders and outside shoulders. I mean, this is not a shampoo commercial here, you know? Um, <laughs> like, it's, like, not head, it's not head and shoulders. It's yeah, not right. head and shoulders, you know? Like, you know, it's, this is, it's just, it's just, it, it's, yeah, it's, I think, I think the most, like, I think rugby league is kind of enjoyable. I think that's, I think it's just got to get back to that. And it really does. Like, it's just, um, I know there's financial and stress and whatever and, and things like that, but yeah, like let, let's have. Um, there's no. I mean, uh, over the weekend we saw a couple of great tries from kicks, and um, so we're like, oh, there's too many tries from kicks now. We need to stop that, you know. But uh, so we introduced all these rules for blocking, not blocking, and and you know, flying and tackling. And what happens is you're taking away an element of the game that was quite exciting, you know, um, which mm. is like you know people leaping out of nowhere, you know, running up each other's backs to try and do it, you know. Um, same thing a lot with the tackling techniques. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day, right? Um, you know, you could count every, every, just about every play of the ball, the foot doesn't hit the ball when they play the ball, right? So intentionally, um, they, they are not playing the ball properly, right? On the other side of the marker is an inch, not a line, to the play of the ball, they get penalised for like not being directly in front of the guy, you know. And I'm thinking, why is that even there? Like, why do we care? Like, if they're near enough, it's good enough because it's near enough and good enough for the play of the ball, right? But it's not near enough and good enough for the player to to be like, you know, do they have to get a ruler out to actually be okay? This is precisely like it just it's just bizarre some of the things we've gotten to. So yeah, anyway, so sorry about that. Know. Yeah. No, no, that's all good. I've got a final, final parting shot here, yeah. and and a, and something I'm going to put on the table, and I want you to think about really carefully. So we did like the lightning, lightning rugby league uh, kind of emphasis, or, or you know that that kind of speedy speediness. So you know you think of lightning, lightning rugby league as a marketing term, and you think, well, that's uh, that explains that it's a fast version of the game, right? So it's mm. a fast and streamlined version. So hear me out, Tish. If we have Lightning Rugby League as the fast version, then I say the proper core, you know, original version that we currently play as 13 aside, whatever, should be called Thunder Rugby League. 
What do you reckon? Thunder and lightning. Thunder and lightning. Yeah. What do you reckon? Is that is that going to be? Is that good enough to change to change the name? For Thunder and lightning. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Well, the problem is it's too close to the storm, isn't it? Like in the middle of the storm. Oh, no wonder yeah. they've won so many, you know. Well, they uh, keep winning, so we may as well call it the well storm. Just, the, yeah, storm ball <laughs> or something. So, um, look, yeah. and instead of instead of a ball, you play with a Bellamy. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. No longer shall we call it a rugby ball, a rugby league ball, or a Steeden. We're going to call it a Bellamy. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, yeah, it, it's um, like I suppose you really, really couldn't call it a ball anyway, right? Because it's not really a ball; it's it's <laughs> it's an shape. oval shape. Yeah, that's right. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's true. Let we got to call it something else. So there you go. Some food for thought. Look, yeah, we could so, go on forever. On why this, is it but... called a try? Have you ever thought about that? Why is it called a try when you've actually achieved what you wanted to do? Like, well, actually, actually, well, now that you ask, uh, it is there is a reason for it, which um. Uh, yeah, maybe we should go into a bit further, but I think the reason for it is it, in the original form of the game, it, the point of the game wasn't to score tries. It was actually to score goals. And so uh, the idea was that you get an attempt at a goal if you uh, score a if try. You, if, if you manage to plant the ball in the oppositions behind the, the, the line, uh, the goal line, which uh, which means it was then called a try at goal, which was then shortened to try. So that's okay. why it's called a try because you're trying to get the goal. Um, now nowadays you think that's a ridiculous <laughs> kind of thing, but it's because it's got its roots in kind of uh, the the parent form of the game, which was where uh, you know it was almost like a, a scrummage. Uh, a scrum or a scrimmage that kind of moved around and, and it wasn't at all like what we th- see of the game now. It was more of a, you know, a way to, it was more like a, a moving scrum. That's what the game used to be. And so the idea was if you could get it to the other side, um, then you get a, a, a chance to actually kick the ball <laughs> and kick for a goal. Um, but obviously wow. the game is completely different now. So, so yeah, we call things a try. Where, and ironically, we call it a try uh and uh and over in america they call it a touchdown but they don't need to touch it down yeah but we do we do but we do so it's uh anyway shenanigans <laughs> that, it that's is, uh, uh you're ridiculous but anyway um definitely something we should talk about a bit more in future but let's move on to our final tackle which is our round 22 tips here we go Right, so last week uh, I got five out of eight, and you got six out of eight. So that takes me to one hundred and three, and you to ninety-eight. So you are catching up slowly. Uh, you still got plenty of time to catch up, though, Tish. So here we go. Um, the games for this weekend: Storm versus Raiders. Um, look, I still think the Storm are going to win this one. Yeah, I think the Storm are going to win this one again. Um, where this, where the six again was born, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're the, the, the home of Thunderball Storm. Um, <laughs> Dragons v. Panthers. I think the Panthers will, uh, even though they're sputtering towards the end there, they're still going to mm. uh, yeah. do it against the Dragons. Yeah, I don't know how the Dragons can beat them, so I'm tipping the Panthers as well. Broncos and Roosters will be an interesting one, but I think the Roosters are going to start waking up to themselves and 
realise that they're in this almost in the semi-final. So I'm thinking the Roosters will win this yeah, one. Yeah, I think the Roosters too. I think they weren't too bad against the Panthers, and then um, I think Brisbane. Uh, you know, they've got no no reason to play. You know. Yeah. Rabbitohs and Titans, and look, both these teams are coming off a huge win last week. The Rabbitohs will be entitled to be uh, massive favourites in this one, and I'm mm. going to tip them. Yeah. You know, uh, this is a tight one, but yeah, I'm going to tip the Rabbitohs too. <laughs> <laughs> well, so far, we're not strained from, uh, so, you know, we're, we're saying Cowboys and Tigers. I'm going to tip the Tigers, and I'm guessing you will as well. Yep, I am. I am. Um, yep. Well, it's a must win for both teams, but yeah, the Tigers for mine. To yep. Sea Eagles and Eels and Tish, I'm gonna do the unthinkable. I'm gonna tip against the Eels. Uh the Sea Eagles I think are gonna win this one and hopefully it'll be a wake up call for the Eels heading into the last few games because they need to snap out of it. Okay, okay. So we've heard lots of negativity towards the Eels, so I think that's gonna fire them up. I'm gonna tip that and plus uh, I heard that Des Hasler has been annoying his plays too much about talking about rugby league too much, something like that. So that doesn't sound too good, so... This has the annoying players? I doubt it. <laughs> Hang on, you're tipping the Eels, are you? Is that, is that correct? I'm going to tip the Eels. I don't think, well, they're, I don't think they're as far as far off as what people say. I know it was a 40-point deficit, but actually it was pretty close. They just... I think they could get... I think they could get it right. They've got the ingredients there, I, I still believe. Well, Tish, I'm hoping that, um, you know, my loss in the tipping comp uh, will actually be my gain in terms of the Eels winning. So let's hope for the best. But look, Warriors, Bulldogs, uh, Warriors will win this one quite easily, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I think the Warriors for mine. Finally, uh, Sharks and Knights. This is probably going to be a much more important game than we will realise down the track in terms of determining the top eight. And I think the Knights will win this one. I think they've just got a few more, uh, a few more strike bits of strike power uh, in the back line there, and I think they'll do it uh, in a tight one. Yeah, look, I think it is going to be tight. I will go the other way. I think the Sharks. Well, they they did beat Penrith at the, earlier in the season. They they can turn it on, um, and they lost they lost a pretty tight game last week, which I think they probably should have won. So I think they they know they've got to win this game. I think the Knights have a lot more easier run, which sometimes I, I don't think it's necessarily good for the Knights to think that way, put it that way. So, um, yeah, so the Sharks for mine. And, um, yeah, it's, look, I've got to say, um, yeah, the, a lot more. I mean, there were, some of the games were easy picks, but when you got towards the, you know, the, the Sunday games, they got a little more tricky to try and figure out who they, who's going to win, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, and that ends the, uh, the episode. Uh, and so, yeah, we've we've certainly covered a lot of ground there, talking about the future and grand finals and things. So, look, thanks very much, Tish, for your contributions, and uh, hopefully everyone got something out of it. Please enjoy, uh, watch the Women in League round this weekend and have a think and, and uh, about how you can contribute to the message of celebrating women in rugby league wherever you are around the world and however you participate in rugby league, whether it's uh, as a volunteer or as a paid employee of a company or, or a club or whatever, uh, let's celebrate the women in who who help support and certainly not just support the, the, the players in the men's game, but play for themselves in their own uh, game as well. So uh, let's not forget that them as well. So, um, yeah, thank you very much, Tish. Over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. T. And that's all 
for this episode of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.